Thank you for joining us for another season of OMG Omics. I hope that you enjoy our guests this year. And to kick it off, we're starting with Tanya Noyan of Sapient. You've probably noticed through all of our episodes that people have a diverse background and a lot of different experiences that have contributed to their career. You're not going to be disappointed in Tanya Noyan from Sapient, who's going to share her story with us today. Hi there, Tanya. I'm excited to welcome you as a guest on Booker's OMG Omics podcast series. So many of our guests have had a very diverse background, and I think you absolutely fit that category. But I do think you started out a bit differently than than some of our typical um, guests. Can you take us through your omics background and how you came to embrace this field? Yeah, I'd be happy to. Uh, First of all, Kate, I want to thank you and your colleagues for inviting me to participate in this podcast. I think it's an awesome opportunity to to talk about how I got here and hopefully provide value uh, to some of your listeners. And so, yeah, to to kind of back up and and tell you a little bit more about myself and my background, I am a clinician scientist by training. So my area of study and expertise is in neuropsychology and brain behavior relationships. And so for a number of years, I was a professor at UC San Diego, where I was attending in the University Medical Center. And I also was research faculty and had a a clinical research lab really focused on understanding biomarkers of neuroinflammation in the context of neuropsychiatric diseases. And so having just a a slightly different background to to many of my colleagues now in the omics area, it's provided me a unique perspective to understand how we could potentially apply omics to better treat clinical human diseases um, and then have the, the clinical perspective of how will this eventually kind of trickle down to actually impact patient lives and outcomes. So that's a great start. So maybe you could take me back a little bit more. How did your college research um, impact you in terms of neuroscience? How did you get into this? Yeah, so my real formative research experience was was as an undergraduate in a behavioral neuroscience lab at the University of Southern California. Um, This was a little bit serendipitous. Like most college students, we're trying to figure out what we're interested in and trying and dabbling in a number of things. Um, But I was fortunate enough to work for a lab that was really focused on better understanding and conducting preclinical research to better understand how early prenatal stress exposure contribute to neuropsychiatric diseases. Um, And and quite a dork I was. I was really motivated and inspired by that movie, A Beautiful Mind, and was fascinated by schizophrenia, mental illnesses, and some of these really alternative experiences and what biologically contributed to this altered kind of mental state. Um, And this lab was really focused on kind of the early developmental processes that kind of occur um, during in schizophrenia. And most importantly, this lab was focused on developing um, nutritional or nutraceutical interventions that could potentially mitigate such changes. And so I think that's what really inspired me and eventually wound me here, um, though with a lot of twists and turns. And again, not only understanding how disease develops for the sake of understanding diseases, but how do we then use that knowledge to develop interventions that can help improve outcomes. So let's build off of that and let's maybe move to your time in the clinical space. And how has this provided you with new insights into doing research? 
Yeah. You know, one of the things that I was always left feeling like was missing with my early preclinical research was, so what happens next? How does this work actually make it into the clinic? How do I impact clinical, the lives of, of clinical patients? Perhaps that was just due to the fact that I was young and an undergraduate and had great aspirations. And so that actually led me to shift for my PhD and pursue a clinical degree. Um, and so my PhD was in neuropsychology, and this is a, a quite unique research and combined clinical degree where I not only learned import, important research methodology around how to conduct clinical biomedical research, um, but I also became clinically licensed to assess and treat a number of patients with the same disorders that I was focusing on. So as part of my, my clinical work, I was really focused on the assessment and treatment of older adults with different types types of mental illnesses, so primarily uh, major psychiatric diseases, as well as dementia syndromes, um, and eventually advanced dementia syndromes, which oftentimes kind of overlaps clinically with kind of major psychiatric illnesses. So super interesting. Um, but to take it back as part of my clinical PhD research, um, I was really working on how do you design and conduct randomized clinical trials um, for nutritional interventions, kind of building upon my undergraduate research, um, and how do you use that to improve cognitive function in patients with various types of teratological diseases, such as those with prenatal alcohol exposure, um, autism spectrum disorders, et cetera. And so that was kind of a, a cool transition to be able to do clinical research, I'm sorry, preclinical pre research, and then apply that um, in my clinical research degree. So since you've now moved to Sapient, and we'll come back to, to your interactions in your current position, but how do you see that, um, that broad swath of connection between research and clinical outcomes? Where does Sapient sit in that, and why were you drawn to it? Yeah, I think what's exciting about Sapient is the fact that we can help enable discoveries at very early stages in understanding disease, early stages in developing therapeutic interventions, all the way through creating biomarkers that can be applied at the clinical trial level. So similar to my research history, Sapient offered me this opportunity to be part of science um, that touched different and all stages of, of drug development, essentially, um, ultimately with the goal of being able to identify biomarkers that allow us to stratify patients into clinical trials that will be the most efficacious for that population and therefore develop drugs a lot quicker um, and help them get through approvals much faster um, to help patients who, who really need them. Thank you for that broad overview of, of kind of what you've been through, your history, and what you've gotten to now. But I do wonder, is there an OMG moment somewhere in there that helped you start the road down science? 
Yeah, my OMG moment was actually in my postdoctoral research. You know, at that time, I became really interested in the gut-brain axis. It was uh, the time when the microbiome was really budding in kind of the the scientific research community. Um, It had been done a lot or had been studied a lot in the context of a lot of GI illness, but just really making its way into the sphere of um, neurodegenerative and, and neuropsychological diseases. And so this is what a lot of my research was focused on as a postdoc and as a, an early um, career faculty member, was studying these microbial-based biomarkers and how they may contribute to the, the pro-inflammatory milieu that has been observed in neuropsychiatric diseases. And it was during this time in studying these microbes that I thought, it's probably important for me to understand the, the metabolomics, the metabolites and lipids that these bugs create and how they impact downstream processes, um, as well as interact with other risk factors, other comorbid conditions that may also be present in these patients. Um, and that's when I began collaborating with our now co-founders at Sapient, Mojane, Jeremy Watrous, and Tao Long. That's fantastic. And you've really kind of given um, another nice segue for me to ask you, how is mass spectrometry playing into all of this, especially within the broad omics field that you touch on? Yeah, I feel like mass spectrometry really plays into to many different areas. It's it's functionally a tool that can be applied to many different applications. I, I think that it's agnostic to different diseases and, and, as I've mentioned earlier, to different stages of drug development, from really early stage discovery, understanding mechanism of action, target ID and validation, all the way through more patient-oriented um, applications like patient stratification and and clinical trial enrichment. And I think that's what's really exciting here is that I've always been more of a a methods, technology researcher. Um, The disease is important, of course, um, but how can you apply that tool to better understand different diseases? And and as a, a scientist, it's been really fun to broaden my horizons and understandings of how different diseases work, how different interventions for different populations um, may be different, but being able to use the same tool to, to reach different conclusions. When did mass spectrometry first enter your, your research lexicon and, and how you've applied it in your various stages of your career? Well, mass spectrometry first entered my knowledge as a postdoc Um, prior to, I mean, I think I may have like touched a mass spec in college chemistry, Um, but after that, it it wasn't very relevant in the context of my neuropsychological background. And so it was really as a postdoc when I was starting to learn a little bit more about metabolomics and, and now it's part of everyday life here at Sapient. So how does omics play into everything that's going on at Sapient? Is that your full focus? What do you see as most exciting in terms of the outcomes that you're seeing there now? Yeah, that's a great question, Kate. So while Sapient has traditionally been focused on metabolomics, I think omics more broadly and specific multi-omics has become a much bigger part of what we are doing at Sapient and the outcomes that we're seeing as part of our, our client and our sponsor's project is where, as well as where we see ourselves continuing to move in the future. Uh, much of Sapient's technology has been originally founded upon uh, the mass spectrometry-based omics. Most um, 
specifically metabolomics, but we're also moving into additional omics areas, which I think is exciting because I think all of these different omics offer different types of information that can help better elucidate biology and pharmacology around specific therapeutic interventions. So Tanya, you've given us a really good view of the things that go on at Sapient, but I'm a little bit curious if you have any metrics or fun statistics about how you're taking all that you're doing and how big this really is. Yeah, so at Sapient, we've developed what we call the RAPID or RLCMS, which is a, an ultra-high-throughput mass spectrometry-based platform that allows us to assay on the order of several thousand biomarkers in a single sample and gives us the speed to do this across thousands of samples at a time. Um, and our partnership with Bruker has been a key part of enabling this innovation. And we use the Bruker Timstoff for the mass spec portion of our systems. And that allows us to measure more than 15,000 circulating small molecule biomarkers, including thousands of those that are yet uncharacterized in a human biosample in less than one minute. So with the suite of mass spectrometry systems that we have here, we can assay several thousand samples per day and up to a million per year. That's a truly astounding number overall. So thank you for sharing that particular piece of data with us. So where do you see the field of omics going? You've already made so many advancements. What is your next step to let Sapient continue to make impacts? You know, if we if we look back over the last five years or so, next-gen sequencing was what really brought genomics and the use of genetic biomarkers and drug development to the forefront. Um, and it's been transformative in improving drug approval rates and patient outcomes, particularly in genetically driven diseases like cancer. Now, I think the next five years in omics will be about going beyond the genome. Um, and what we found along with these genetic biomarker discoveries is that genetic, only genetic factors only represents a fraction of disease risk for most common diseases. And it's these dynamic factors like diet, environment, lifestyle, and other exposures that people experience over the course of a lifetime that actually contribute greater risk for the, the, these different diseases. And these exposures are really read out through these dynamic markers like metabolites and lipids, as well as proteins. And I think these omics can really reveal how these exposures interact with and influence genetic, genetic factors and identify additional ways that they can contribute to diseases. So long answer to your question is that I think the future of omics will really focus on ramping up metabolomics, lipidomics, and proteomics, and, and probing these molecular landscapes at scale the way we've been able to do with genomics to date. So you told me how fast you can run large cohorts and so many samples in such a short amount of time. That gives you a mountain of data. So how do you deal with that side of your pipeline in order to get answers back to actually push towards outcomes? Yeah, so I feel like we're in an age of data generation where a lot of companies, a lot of people are generating a lot of data. The problem is, is how to make sense of all that data. And I think 
Sapient is really trying to solve for that. And a, a big piece of that is the biocomputational framework, as well as team to be able to do the multidimensional integration of data, not only with metabolomics, proteomics, genomics, but also integrating clinical outcome measures associated with patient response to different drugs. Or maybe that's a preclinical outcomes or other functional um, phenotypic data from a cell-based assay, whatever it may be, um, having a team that's really skilled and the software and computational power to be able to integrate all of these factors is going to be really critical. And I think that's a, a key value proposition for Sapient is identifying insights, not only generating data. So how has your current position and all of your past experience challenged your perspective on science? You've had so many different ways to look at a problem. How have you integrated that? In my experience here at Sapient has really challenged me on the value of unknowns, right? I think so much of science is about making a priori hypotheses, knowing the outcome before you even begin the experiment. And of course, that has a ton of value and is an important part of the scientific method. Um, But here at Sapient, it really challenged me that when we really think about the chemical diversity that's present in the human body, traditional mass spectrometry approaches have really only focused on a, a subset of molecules that are highly abundant and have already been identified. But the reality is that these only represent about 5% of the molecules that are known or present in the human body. And so with Sapiens technology, it's really challenged me to, to understand that there's a lot more there and a lot more that can be measured and identified. And the non-targeted mass spectrometry approaches that we've developed are able to not only measure that 5% that we've identified before, but the full breadth of chemical diversity, which could span up to and beyond 75,000 molecules that are circulating in the human blood. So I think this is a great challenge, but it's also a great opportunity um, as long as one has the right perspective in identifying novel markers, doing hypothesis generating experiments that then we can further validate and translate. And these markers may actually be more sensitive and more specific readouts of, you know, drug efficacy, response, disease, MOA, et cetera. So I can see where you're sitting and there's a little bit of your lab behind you. Can you tell me a little bit more about the people you interact with? Um, Who's on your team? How do you construct what to do in your daily life? Great question. So at Sapiens, I'm fortunate to work with so many different people from many different backgrounds, not only scientifically and technically, but culturally. And so on my team, I I lead our our business development and commercial team. And so I, I work with a number of people from the business side, but I also work with a lot of scientists, including the scientists that are actually running these projects. I'm helping with program management, and that includes everyone from analytical chemists to data scientists, statisticians, biologists, because it really involves a whole team of people to be able to not only 
you know, run the mass specs, analyze the data, and then make sense of the data in a way that helps answer the problems and the questions being posed by our clients and our sponsors. And so that means every day for me is just a little bit different, which makes it super exciting um, to be able to, to touch a little bit of the science, the business perspective, and then work with a really awesome team. Okay, so as we start to close out here, um, for our regular viewers of OMG Omics, and, and Tanya, I know I prepped you for this, but we always like to end with a fun story from our guest. And especially with the um, interaction with a lot of different people, do you have anything that maybe you want to share with us today and something that's impacted you at Sapient with your coworkers? Well, one of the things that I've really enjoyed personally and have shared this hobby with a, a coworker is my love of, of craft cocktail and, and mixology, which also happens to be a big hobby of our head of analytical R&D, Jeremy Watrous. And so it's something that we like to talk about in terms of new recipes that we have, new cocktail bars and speakeasies that have opened up in town, um, what's good, what's not, and just really kind of exploring that, sharing that with one another, um, going to places as a team, as well as making drinks for one another. So it's a, a fun pandemic hobby that has expanded beyond the pandemic and served as a way to really bond with my colleagues in addition to enjoying some really tasty drinks. Well, I'm sure that you know that many cities have options like this, but if you ever make it to the Boston area, please let me know. I'd love to take you out and show you some of the cocktail scene here. Oh, yes, I would love to do that and in Boston frequently. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much, Tanya, for your time today. Um, it's been fantastic talking with you. Thank you so much, Kate. It's been great working with your team and look forward to continuing to collaborate with Bruker. I hope you'll keep staying tuned to OMG Omics this year because we have a fantastic lineup that's going to blow your socks off as we continue to share OMG Omics moments. <laughs>